welcome to the latest Health and Safety Matters podcast. My name is Mark Sennett. I'm the CEO of Western Business Media, which is the publisher of Health and Safety Matters. And as always, this podcast is sponsored by the Health and Safety Event. Now, if you're not familiar with the Health and Safety Event by now, I'm a little bit surprised because we always mention it in the podcast and as the UK's biggest health and safety show now. And it takes place next time. It will take place in Birmingham NEC on the 30th of April through to the 2nd of May. It's completely free to attend, and if you go, you also get access to the fire safety event, the workplace event, and the security event. So you can register to attend the event now. To register your interest, you go to healthandsafetyevent.com. If you can't remember that, go to search engine health and safety event and up it pops, and it is a great place for you to go to get uh, CPD seminars and see the biggest exhibition on health and safety in the UK. So our thanks to Health and Safety Event for continuing to sponsor this podcast. Now, also, as I always say, you don't have to wait for this podcast to get the latest health and safety news. You can go to our website at any time, which is www.hsmsearch.com. If you can't remember that, go to search engine and search health and safety matters. Now, what do you get when you get to the website? You see all the latest news, prosecutions and products and services updated daily. You can sign up to get our twice a week e-newsletter along with 54,000 other of your peers who get it twice a week. You can also look at all of our upcoming CPD webinars and we'll watch all of our back archive of webinars on demand for free by clicking on the webinars tab. You can also sign up to get copies of the magazine for free including the annual BSAF guide, which we're working on right now, the BSAF guide to UK health and safety. So do go to hsmsearch.com for all of that for free, or follow us on X or follow us on LinkedIn, and you can see all the latest news, prosecutions, and product services through there as well. So, right, well, we always start with the news. And what have I got for you this month? Well, I thought I would circle back to HSE's Dust Kills campaign. We've covered this before, but a snapshot of good and bad practices on how workers' exposure to dust is being managed and controlled on construction sites across Great Britain has been revealed as some initial findings or updated findings from HSE's Dust Kills campaign. So as part of its business plan, the Health and Safety Executive carried out more than 1,000 inspections between May and July this year, focusing on what businesses and workers were doing to prevent or adequately control the risks from construction dust. And this is something that we've covered a lot. We've also covered uh, dust and silica dust, etc., um, on webinars, which I would urge you to go to on the webinars tab of our website. So HSE's Dust Kills campaign supported the site inspections, which raised awareness of the inspections, provided helpful advice, information and links to guidance for employers and workers. Almost two million connections were made to the campaign via social media channels, alongside extensive stakeholders, um, and press coverage, which obviously we're adding to here. So if we talk about what the HSC did and found here, they revealed some examples of good practice on sites within companies. And, and what they found, and some of the good practices included the use of motorised water suppression alongside face-fit-tested FFP3 respiratory protective equipment to reduce exposure to silicosis and lung cancer, uh, causing uh, respirable crystalline silica, which is RCS. Um, there was also air-fed hoods, or powered air respirators, being used when using high-powered cutting saws during carpentry to prevent exposure to asthma, um, which can be caused by wood dust. And also the inclusion of details of HSE's campaign within the company's health, safety, environmental newsletters to raise awareness of the effects of dust exposure is 
some of the many good things that they have uh, found as examples of visiting these sites. However, agency inspectors also found many poor examples of uh, you know, poor practice rather than good practice. And this included no on-tool extraction in place on high-powered cutting saws that generate silica or wood dust, along with poorly maintained extraction equipment such as hoses units making it ineffective. Suitable RPE not being made available on site for workers to use or making it available but not ensuring it is used. And the health and safety workers not being considered when carrying out the simplest of tasks such as sweeping up indoors, which requires damping down to control the dust generated and the provision of suitable face fit tested RPE. So a key area of concern for regulator is that inspectors are still finding sites where the hierarchy of controls are simply not considered at all. Where no effective design or planning is taking place, eliminate risks from dust, such as considering the use of pre-cut materials, and nothing being in place to minimise the risk of use of suitable control measures, such as water suppression and on-tool extraction and the use of RPE. So just to round off this story, and I would urge you to read it in full on our website, hsmsearch.com. We've got a little search box there. If you type Dust Kills Campaign, you'll see a story titled Early Foundings from HSE's Dust Kills campaign, and there is the article in full. But a comment here from HSE's acting head of construction division, Mike Thomas. He said, every year we're seeing construction workers die from these diseases, caused or made worse by their work because the necessary precautions required to protect their long-term lung health have not been taken by employers and workers themselves. A thousand plus inspections were completed and they took across a range of construction sites. Some examples of good practice found on site of the campaign are really pleasing. But as can be seen by some of the poor practices found by inspectors, where planning around the risk of dust controls to prevent exposure are not even considered, it shows there's still plenty of room for improvement. So, yeah, a really interesting update to this. It's good to see plenty of good practice being found by inspectors, but obviously concerning that you're still seeing bad practice on there. You know, the HSC, they often go through spells being very, very proactive, and, and obviously a 1,000 inspectors in May and July is a lot, and uh, it, it's good to see them feeding back some of the findings that they've had, and you know, there's always still more that people need to learn on it. So moving on to our next story, which is titled Frontline Workers Face Monthly Operational Issues. So this is new research that's revealed deskless workers, which are now the majority of employees uh, in the UK, face regular operational issues compounding doubts about business performance. Two thirds, which is 65% of frontline workers, say they observe operational issues monthly more frequently, yet less than half, 45%, see actions taken to address them within this time frame. So the feedback from the field report, which has been uh, undertaken by global technology company Safety Culture, paints a picture of UK businesses being held back by ongoing operational challenges. Its finding, which is informed by a YouGov-wide survey of frontline workers, shows that 9 in 10, which is 87%, believe that the businesses they're working in are failing to operate at its full potential or they're unsure about its performance. In addition to ineffective management, which is cited by 42% of frontline workers as a key reason for the business failing to maximise their full potential, respondents also flagged inadequate communication, 39% did that, and training for staff um, as barriers, and you know, 31% highlighted that as a barrier. Three in ten say the last time they had valuable training for an organisation that helped improve their work was a year or more ago. Concerningly, 13% of UK frontline workers feel that they've never had any valuable training from their organisation at all. 
So the consequences of a lack of training are laid bare in the report. More than half, so 54% of those surveyed, believe that there, at least a few of their workers' injuries could have been prevented had those involved received better training and work instruction. Safety remains a top priority for frontline workers despite the cost of living crisis. 70% say they would prioritise their safety over higher salaries if they were to seek a new role. So commenting on this report, um, there's a comment in this article from Safety Culture's general manager, uh, Fico Mole. And Fico says, Tesla's work is the lifeblood of the UK economy, powering some of our most essential industries. We must listen to them. Our report shows how operational issues are regularly observed by workers on the front line, but not always addressed. Too often, frontline workers' views are overlooked and the areas that could be improving operations, such as investment in technology, have been focused on office-based workers. The good news is that it's not all doom and gloom, and with three in five workers, we are saying they're optimistic about the future of their organisation. We share their optimism, and with the right tools of communication, manufacturers can harness the latest potential within their frontline teams. So, yeah, you can have a look at this story online. It's it's, a, it's an ever-evolving beast where people are, are, are working these days. More and more are based at home. I've seen that within my own organisation. And communication is absolutely key. One of our biggest concerns is that workers do get dispirited when they're remote because they're not in touch day-to-day with everything that's going on. So, you know, we have regular group teams calls. We still do have uh, catch-ups in the office. We do update monthly emails on performance of the business and what's new. And, you know, speaking to people in teams and having teams groups and getting them to come into the office when they can do to uh, meet up with their peers or something about trying to help our staff feel fully involved. They don't have that anxiousness um, about what's going on within the uh, business. Uh, That was our biggest concern during lockdown was that people would feel isolated. It was a big concern for many, many of you. Um, Obviously, in our situation, we're we're not a manufacturer. We're not, uh, you know, we've not got frontline workers, um, you know, risking their lives doing anything. And, uh, you know, it's it's not a day-to-day health and safety issues working within our office, <laughs> although we are fully risk assessed, thankfully. But it, it's it's those situations where training is important, and that's one of the biggest aspects of health and safety is making sure staff are properly trained and and you know suitably equipped to do their jobs. So you know that that is an interesting finding for me that some people never had training at all on health and safety, and when you're working in you know potentially dangerous premises that's something that you you would expect to see so moving on to um next story we've got now and this is all about the new iosh president elect uh, who is kelly nickel so kelly nickel will be taking over the role for the end of 2023 into 2024 as iosh president on the 15th of november not long after we have recorded this podcast so she's outlined her aims of what she hopes to do in post. And she says she aims to continue to champion members with a focus on supporting and celebrating Irish volunteers, while also highlighting the importance of um, physiosocial safety and coaching. So commenting on her, her aims and her appointment, Kelly said, it's an honour and a real career highlight to be nominated as president-elect. I will wholeheartedly support Stuart Hughes in his presidential year and also work closely with him and the wider presidential team to build on the work to strengthen the IOSH Council. 
Kelly is currently the head of uh, environment, health and safety at Doncaster Culture and Leisure Trust. In 15 years as an arch professional, Kelly has worked in industries including rail, facilities management, the NHS, construction and events broadcasting. She's held various roles, volunteering roles for IOSH, including a member of the Thames Valley Branch Committee and as a mentor as a member of its council. So away from IOSH, she also represents the Health and Safety or a Special Education Trust in Doncaster and is a board member of the Recovery Coach Academy, which delivers coaching for people recovering from addiction. So this is, uh, you know, obviously every year we get a new president, a new president-elect of, of IOSH, and, you know, Kelly is the next president elect and as we always say on here we wish kelly all the best of luck iosh have been a big supporter of health and safety matters they often speak at our events and, and other events we organize content and, and i'm very much hoping to uh, work closely with kelly again over the coming year so she's just added on this that no one should go to work and not come home safely and that's something that we obviously echo here this sentiment became more personal after experiencing the aftermath of fatality at work kelly says and this phase has become a driving force about everything I've done within my career and at my time at IOSH. As the next president-elect, I look forward to continuing to give back to our membership and our profession and championing my belief that everyone gets home. So she's president-elect from November and she will then take over as president in November 2024. And we wish uh, Kelly all the best in her new role. So speaking of events in the sector... There is another one coming up uh, very, very soon, and it's our own. And hopefully, if you're listening to this, you will hear it before the 16th of November. Because on the 16th of November, Health and Safety Matters will be running its first event at Health and Safety Matters Live Scotland, the Edinburgh International Conference Centre. As I said, on the 16th of November 2023, it's completely free to attend. And you can register for free at hsmlive.co.uk. That is hsmlive.co.uk. We've got two theatres of content running concurrently. And there's also a co-located Nibosh sustainability uh, conference going on at the same venue. It's completely free to attend. Free lunch, free Wi-Fi, free teas and coffees throughout the day. And we've got an exhibition of some of the leading manufacturers and products and services in the sector. We've got sessions being delivered by the Health and Safety Executive, the British Safety Industry Federation. We've got a mock trial being delivered by DAC Beechcroft on actual Scottish case law based on a real-life prosecution where you, the audience, will be the jury. They're always brilliant sessions. That's the very last session of the day. We've got uh, excellent sessions on... Um, hand protection, respiratory protection, all things PPE, head protection, uh, safety culture, um, the latest update on health and safety uh, regulations, there is safety knives and ensuring you, you know you don't suffer cut risks, fit testing is on there as well, I mean it goes on and on, There's, there is 20 sessions for you to choose from uh, across two theatres. So I would strongly urge you to uh, come to the event. It's completely free. Please do come along. Register at hsmlive.co.uk. Another event that is upcoming, and you know, it's not far away now, is the 23rd and 24th of January 2024, which is H sorry, SHW Live, Safety, Health and Wellbeing Live, which takes place at Manchester Central. And HSM is putting on the content for that event for all of the theatres. Again, completely free to attend. There's a major exhibition 
there alongside it, and it's the only dedicated uh, event in Manchester for health and safety. You can just search a search engine safety, health and well-being live, or go to the website safetyhealthwellbeing.live, and you can register completely for free. We've got, again, sessions there from the health and safety executive. We've got other sessions on stay put policies. Are they suitable during an evacuation? We've got a driver safety session for Driving for Better Business from Simon Turner at Driving for Better Business. Um, there's sessions from IOSH and the British Safety Council. There's a home office address on UK fire safety. Um, there is so much on there. Falls from Height, a uh, panel session there. Uh, there is ESG and sustainability in the OSH sector being delivered by NEBOSH and NEBOSH are doing other sessions in there as well. So identifying the role of the responsible person is another set a panel session there which will be really interesting as well so it's well worth coming along i'll be there much like i will be for hsm live scotland so please do come across to the hsm stand at uh, shw live safety health well-being live because it would be really great to uh, to catch up with you now it's also worth saying and this is something that i think i mentioned on the last podcast but we have now opened entries the Safety and Health Excellence Awards after a record amount of entries last year. It's completely free to enter. Throw into a search engine Safety and Health Excellence Awards or go to www.she-awards.com and there are some fantastic categories there. I would strongly urge you to enter because it's the perfect way to get yourself, a team member, your team, your organisation, a product, a project, a campaign recognized by your peers it isn't me that picks the shortlist or the winners that's all done by independent judges i can assure you and the categories include the unsung hero award best health and safety manufacturing best health and safety project health and safety manager of the year campaign of the year team of the year sustainable company of the year and there's also the inclusivity award which is a brand new category to recognize health and safety organization that can demonstrate it's taken steps to be an equal opportunity employer there's the Rising Star um, Award, Safer Logistics Awards, the Woman of the Year Award, which has been incredibly popular last year, Marketing Campaign of the Year, Distributor of the Year, Best Driver Risk Management Performance, and also a really well-entered category last year was the Best Use of Health and Safety Data to Lower Incident Rates. So please do enter. They're completely free to enter. You've got until February to do so. It's she-awards.com. So, final bit of news, really, is some news on awards. And I'm really proud to say that my company, Western Business Media, which is the publisher of HSM, as you know, has been shortlisted for 10 industry awards ourselves. And why am I telling you this? Well, it's relevant to HSM. So, yes, we entered 10 times, and thankfully we got shortlisted 10 times. And the ones I'll tell you about are the ones that are relevant to you guys. Health and Safety Matters has been shortlisted for Media Brand of the Year at the PPA Independent Publishers Awards. Uh, that's, you know, the main publishing awards for the publishing sector and, uh, and, and independent publishers like ourselves. Also, the Safety and Health Excellence Awards, which we were just talking about, was nominated for Event of the Year because we sold out 750 people. It was a great night. Tess Daly was the host. And... We had, you know, well over 200 entries. It was incredible. Uh, in addition to that, the BSIF Guide to UK um, Safety has been shortlisted for Commercial Partnership of the Year as well. Alongside our sister title, Fire Safety Matters, which has been shortlisted for Business Publication of the Year and Media Brand of the Year. So it goes head-to-head -head with HSM, funnily enough. 
on there. Amongst others, you know, this is, we, we've now been, in the last three years, nominated for 36 industry awards. And thankfully, we've uh, had that many shortlisted and we've managed to win three, which we're incredibly proud of. And and for us, this is important to share with you because this is your publication, Health and Safety Matters. We're keen on your feedback. We always want to improve the publication. Our audience is, is growing. The engagement is bigger than it's ever been before, whether it's been in print, our website, e-newsletters, webinars. But hopefully this shows you that um, you know we're being independently recognized for, for our commitment to trying to create the best platform and publication for health and safety that we possibly can and we can't do that without you without you guys listening to this podcast getting the magazine interacting with it and obviously interacting with the people that advertise in it which keeps this free for you um, I have a business with my business partners and for that I'm very grateful for and we literally can't be shortlisted or do what we do without your engagement and it does really mean a huge deal to us so thank you and a huge thank you also to our our advertisers and our sponsors who who uh, allow us to keep the power on <laughs> every month and pay the bills and and you know this is really for, for them and also for you and you know fingers crossed when they announce the winners on the 24th of November uh, in London that uh, we, we might be lucky but like with our awards say health excellence awards I'm proud just to be shortlisted. That that was all I could have hoped for from this. Anything better is is a bonus. And and that's exactly why I'd encourage all of you to enter the Sage and Health Excellence Awards because if you can get shortlisted and recognised by your peers, there's there's nothing quite like it for that validation and that, that, that sense of uh, how well your organisation's going. So thank you to the judges and thank you to <laughs> to all of you. Now, that's it from the news on this edition of the podcast. And as I said, you don't have to wait for this podcast to come out to see your latest news. You can go to our website, hsmsearch.com, follow us on X or LinkedIn, or you can sign up to our newsletter, as I've said before. So if you can't remember the web address, hsmsearch.com, just throw into a search engine, Health and Safety Matters, and up we come. So now the last part of the podcast is always an interview with, uh, with a guest, and I'm delighted to be joined this time by Alan Murray. Now, you'll know Alan as the CEO of the British Safety Industry Federation. We do talk about the BSAF in this, but actually that isn't why uh, I got Alan onto the, uh, <laughs> onto the podcast this time. BSAF are actually part of um, a new alliance that's been formed, uh, which, which is a health and safety alliance, to bring together a number of health and safety associations, organisations together as, as, as a lobbying voice. And the name of this uh, new alliance is, um, the full name of it, is the Occupational Safety and Health Stakeholder Alliance. And as I said, BSAF were one of the founding members of this. So I sat down with Alan earlier and he gives us an insight to what the Occupational Safety and Health Stakeholder Alliance is about and what it hopes to achieve. <music> Morning, Alan. How are you? Very well, Mark. And you? Yeah, good to see you. It's been a while since we've had you on the podcast and uh, got a different topic. Normally we'd have you here under your BSIF hat, but uh, we're not today. We're talking about uh, uh, something new and it's the Occupational Safety and Health Stakeholder Alliance, isn't it? Uh, this is something that BSIF have been integral in, in setting up. Can you tell us a bit more about what the alliance is, please? Yeah, before I do, I think I have to give credit to uh, Nibosh and their former chief exec, uh, Chris Payne, who was the, the prime motivator in putting it together with meetings that started 
way back in, well, 2022, I guess. And what is the aim of the Alliance? Well, quite simply, uh, the aim of the Alliance is for, I suppose, respected bodies in the marketplace, the, the real stakeholders, to be able to provide one authoritative voice on specific topics as they as they come up. It's the alliance is really a collaboration of leading health and safety organisations. In this case, uniting to promote better safety, health, and well-being for everyone. And can you tell me some of the other organisations that are involved in the alliance? Yeah, sure. Um, so. In addition to BSIF, we obviously have uh, NIBOSH, as I mentioned earlier. We have ROSPA, we have IISM, we have British Safety Council, British Occupational Hygiene Society, IOSH are in there, um, CIEH are in there, Chartered Institute of Environmental Health. Uh, they all signed together um, a memorandum of understanding in May this year. Then in July, um, the Institute of, uh, well, Chartered Institute of Ergonomic and Human Factors joined, um, and there are others in the waiting room. So it's meant to be an inclusive collaboration of the stakeholders. Well, that was exactly what I was going to ask you, is, is this something that you see could grow to encompass other membership bodies or associations or stakeholders in the sector? And clearly, not that you want to give too much away, there's others in the wings, and it is something that you would like to see potentially expand where if there's interest it's relevant a hundred percent mark um i also didn't mention that the health and safety executive are involved now the health and safety executive's involvement is obviously somewhat limited in on the basis that they are a government agency and can't uh, can't take a position most of the time but they are keen to be part of the general uh, the general movement and they help the, the alliance itself to, to be in better informed, I suppose, and to keep on track. And is there a, a chairperson of the group? Is there, is there a figurehead? Yes, so the, the current chairperson of the group is John Gill, who's also the executive chairman of BSIF. And, you know, I'm not sure if you're in a position to share this yet, but is there any short-term objectives, anything that you're working on at the moment as an organisation? Yeah, great question. Um, the organisations, if you think about who they are and the different structures, and some are, are professional bodies, and by professional bodies I mean serving the, the career interests of uh, some of their members as well as the greater good. Um, some of it can be not in, not in any way conflicting, but, but to get a common, a common challenge that people want to, to face. And the common challenge of mental health and well-being is, is the one that we're currently working through. Now, if you look at the numbers from the health and safety executive, the number of lost days at, uh, at work through mental health and stress and anxiety, um, it, it fully justifies that as a, as a common initiative for us. It's, it's worth saying, actually, that... Uh... John Gill um, will be delivering a presentation on the Alliance and its uh, ambitions at Safety, Health and Wellbeing Live in Manchester in January 2024 in the Keynote Theatre. It's completely free to attend that. Just throw into uh, Google or a search engine, Safety, Health and Wellbeing Live, and you can register. And that would be a session I would definitely um, urge you to attend. I mean, 
Um, in, in a different guise, I sit um, as a member of the Fire Sector Federation, which is a very similar concept over in the fire safety side. And this is something that when we've talked about this off air over uh, you know recent months, I can tell that you know you've got a real passion for it. And BSIF have been key, along with Nibosh and others, of getting this off the ground. You've always been good at looking ahead, and I can tell you you're really interested and excited about this. Do you have any? aspirations of where you think this group could ultimately go to? That's a, that's a loaded question, but I know it's one that you might enjoy. It's a really loaded question. Um, I, I, can't, I can't speak too, um, too comprehensively about that sort of thing. One of, the, one of the things that we noticed very clearly during the pandemic was the government really, I, I felt anyway, didn't know where to go to for answers to specific questions. And I said at the, the top of this discussion that, that the idea is that there's one authoritative voice that people can go to uh, for information, you know, when these uh, situations occur. And, and in many ways, the collaboration and the stakeholder alliance has to exist in order for for that uh, facility to be available. So in many ways, it's something that will work hard on specific topics, but a key part of it is that it exists for, uh, for when the, the challenges and the difficulties come. And I think for the sake of clarity, what we're saying here, a key part of what the Alliance is going to be set up for is lobbying and working with government, isn't it? That's going to be a key part uh, focus of the group. That, that's going to be one of the focuses of the group. And earlier this year, the group uh, were communicating with different, different government departments on the retained EU law uh, challenges. If you recall, uh, they were going to sunset some 5,000 different pieces of legislation uh, post-EU. Uh, and some of those were very good pieces of legisl legislation that had in fact emanated in the UK. Uh, and we were able to, to put forward some very good common sense uh, arguments to, to the departments. And, and we now know that that initiative has, has somewhat sidelined. And just to round off this, Alan, is there anything else that you would, you know, because this is, this is a big part of the Alliance's job over the, uh, the coming weeks and months is to raise awareness about its aims, objectives and settle into place. And you know, we've got this platform here through HSM. Is there anything else you'd like to share about the Alliance that you don't think we've covered today? Uh, there's a, a website set up uh, just using the uh, Occupational Safety and Health uh, acronym. Uh, dash alliance.co.uk that's set up there's an inquiries line on that um, and the one thing to look out for by the end of this year is the alliance's white paper on mental health well we will definitely be covering that in hsm uh, it'll be all over the website in the magazine we look forward to covering that um, and alan obviously your primary role is ceo of the british safety industry federation um Everyone on here is going to be familiar with BSIF, but, but while I've got you, I always ask you this question. Why should people become a member of the BSIF? Well, in many ways, being a member of the BSIF um, authenticates uh, people's uh, position in the safety and health market. Uh, they get an opportunity to uh, participate in the registered safety supplier scheme, which is a quality assurance for uh, users and consumers, specifiers and, and purchasers of PPE uh, and the members and the registered safety suppliers uh, work hard to make sure that they are providing fit for purpose, 
good personal protective equipment that will add something to, to people's well-being. Now, we've got a lot to work together on over the coming months. We are, in a couple of months' time, going to press with the annual BSAF Guide to UK uh, Health and Safety uh, Market. You're working hard on the content for that. and uh, <laughs> It's a busy job, that one. It's a monster of a magazine, and I know one that uh, our listeners enjoy getting. If you aren't getting the magazine, HSM and the BSAF Guide, you can register to get do so for free on our website, HSM Search. Uh, dot com. You can throw into a search engine health and safety matters that we come. You can actually look at the last three years' guides digitally for free in the in the magazine section. But one thing that Alan and I worked on very closely from years ago is we we jointly set up the Sage and Health Excellence Awards and the BSAF categories, the BSAF awards have been long established, very prestigious awards, and they've been going for many many years. and And they are really the, the crown jewel of of these awards and um, we ran the awards this year um, in April and we sold out 750 people attended and uh, we had 280 entries and all summer I've had nothing but emails and messages from people listening to this saying when are the awards opening again well you probably noticed but if you haven't the 2024 awards entries are now accepting entries um, on the Save Health Excellence awards categories um i'd strongly urge you to enter it's free to do so go into she-awards.com or throw into a search engine save enough excellence awards i mean the funny thing was alan at your bsi of networking day we'd open the entries to announce that to your members at the networking day with with no fanfare and we'd already had five entries and putting up for as well people were actually waiting for us to refresh the page the question i've got for you here is you know, awards are important to BSIF. You've had your own awards. You've partnered with us for years on this now. I know why we set up an awards together, but I don't think I've ever asked you publicly, why are award schemes like this, the BSIF Awards and the St. Earth Excellence Awards important? Well, why is it something that you've been so supportive of and, and involved over the years? Sure. Uh, it's very interesting. Um, I, I think... I think uh, most people in the safety and health industry are incredibly proud of the work that they do. Uh, it, it's in the main, it's for a, a better or a bigger purpose, a wider cause, uh, and the awards are an opportunity to really celebrate that. I, and I think what we saw at the awards this year were um, economic operators, manufacturers, uh, and users of uh, safety coming together and celebrating that. I think, you know, the awards we've run for five years together now, and they've grown and grown in entries and they've grown in terms of attendance. But I think seeing that room, that packed room of 750 people really celebrating excellence in the sector, coming together, networking, it was probably everything that you and I always envisioned it was meant to be, wasn't it? Because oh, 100%. We, we really felt that this market wasn't celebrated enough for the important work it does of keeping people safe. And um, it's something, I, I always say this, I actively say it, as much as I love doing a podcast and running this business, the single most enjoyable part of my job is opening these awards and then seeing the excitement for people when they're shortlisted. And that shows just how important it is that people are recognised. And, and for those of you listening, I'd encourage you to enter for, for a few reasons. This is a brilliant way to get yourself, and you can self-nominate, a team member 
um, a team, um, your organization or supply chain, uh, anyone, a partner, you can nominate them. And it really does mean something to people. That recognition means a lot. I see it within my own staff where we're very lucky that we've just been shortlisted for some awards, the BSIF Guide and for Health and Safety Matters um, in, in publishing awards, and we're very proud of that. But the same thing transcends into this sector. This is a great way to not only give motivation to your team or get yourself deserved recognition, I might add, but actually there's nothing better than getting recognition from your peers, and it's the judges that make these decisions, and Alan is a judge, this is a great way to actually raise awareness and share the great things that you're doing. So I would strongly urge you to enter. You've got until uh, February to do so. Uh, go to the Safety and Health Excellence Awards website, throw that into a search engine, or www.she-awards.com. And, and Alan, before we go... If people want to find out more information about the British Safety Industry Federation, I know you have a website. There's your chance to say, how can I get in touch and look to become a member? Yeah, please do. So all the W's, bsif.co.uk is the website. Uh, I use our inquiries at bsif.co.uk uh, email line, and we'd love to tell you more. But then, Alan, as always, thanks for joining us. Great to see you. Thanks. That's all we've got time for on this edition of the Health and Safety Matters podcast. My thanks to our guest uh, on this episode, Alan Murray um, from the British Safety Industry Federation. So like I said a few times this podcast, you do not need to wait for this podcast to get all the latest news, prosecutions, products and services from the health and safety sector. Go to our website, hsmsearch.com, and you can see it all there. You can sign up to get our twice a week e-newsletter, look at all of our upcoming, or look at our on-demand webinars for free there as well. Or you can register to get our magazine, Health and Safety Matters, for free. So please do go to our website, or follow us on X or LinkedIn. Our thanks again to the Health and Safety event for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. And as I have said, their event takes place on the 30th of April until the 2nd of May 2024 at the NEC in Birmingham. But you're free to attend and your ticket if you register for free will also get you access to the fire safety event. It will also get you access to the security event and the workplace event. And you can register just to attend for free at healthandsafetyevent.com. So all I've been to say is thank you for joining us on this edition of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please do use social media to give us your feedback using the hashtag HSMPodcast. Please do leave us a positive review and feedback on whatever platform that you are watching this or listening to this podcast on. And uh, we look forward to welcoming you back next time on the next edition of the Health and Safety Matters podcast. Music.